Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there, welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. And today is episode 120, and we're absolutely delighted to be uh, welcoming um, Christina. Oh, I can't say it, Spavaka. I'm so sorry, from Mavendi, which is, um, uh, well, she will tell us what it's about, but a a activism charity, is that a good way? An organisation of social change. Uh, around the impacts of of alcohol and um, and raising awareness about how it impacts lives in in many different ways and we've been kind of following Mavendi's work for a while now and you know everything they post is incredibly relevant incredibly challenging sometimes um, but so important and so yeah we're super stoked to kind of have this conversation and dive into what brought her to this work and um and what they do really and and especially in regards to kind of women's health and uh, motherhood and children which is you know obviously focuses for us so welcome christina i apologize <laughs> get your name wrong how are thank you doing you. no problem uh, <laughs> i am doing very well thank you and it's uh, it's okay with my name sometimes even i pronounce it uh, in the wrong way because i am slovak so my name is sperkova but as I have lived abroad for some time, then I adjusted very often to the country line. So I'm Sperkova, Sperkova. Uh, so it really depends. So, yeah, but I'm doing very well. Thank you uh, for having me here. Really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, so we thank you. And we always check in at the beginning just to say hi and check in with each other. So, um, hi, Kate, how are you doing? Hi. Yeah, I'm really excited to speak to Christina. It's like we were just having a bit of a chat beforehand, weren't we? And realised we traced back the early sort of connections when our, when we were both aware of Christina's work was through Lucy at Sobristas. So this goes back many, many years, eight, eight or nine years to when this this whole conversation about, yeah, we were talking about normative drinking culture and that, the social story. Hmm. Uh, it was it was just breaking really um so yeah very excited i might be a bit hyper disclaimer can you hear me all right you're frowning yeah. at me mandy oh no okay. no I'm, that's just my general just, face just a resting face <laughs> yeah resting bitch face. <laughs> <laughs> but i'm but i might be a bit hyper because it was really stormy here last night so I'm usually um, used to, Mandy, you are talking about your storms and the fact that you haven't slept. And I'm like, oh, you know, but sort of not. And now I'm like, oh, right, I get it. It was really stormy here last night. We didn't sleep. I was up from like 4.30. Mm. And I'm doing this course, which I'm really lit up about, which I'm sure I will really talk a lot about in different episodes. Um, and so I was up kind of studying at five. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, you know, if I sound a bit unhinged, that's uh, that's probably why, really. But how are you, Mandy? Um, yeah, I'm good. Clearly frowning. Um, yeah, I'm alright. I'm, t- I'm tired. Make a change, but yeah, it is storming here too. Um, uh, I feel like I need a bit of. Um, I think because of the work we do, we were just talking about this, weren't we? About kind of activism burnout and it's quite an interesting topic. And when you care about things and you get riled up and a few things have kind of riled me over the last couple of days. Um, And I think I hit a bit of a wall and I was just like, "Mm, I need to actually just not share and not post and not be there for others. I need to just hedgehog roll a little bit and look after my myself so that's what I'm doing so social media apps have been deleted good just having a little bit of a moment yeah for for mm, me well done but yeah well I'm done, super dude. excited to sort of learn more because so yeah Christina could you tell us a little bit about yourself and Mavendi and and what it is and what you brought you to be passionate about this area of of work yes sure so yeah where to start Christina <laughs> is um I am Slovak, living in Sweden, uh, being the president of Movendi International since 2014 and working on it. But the, the history and Movendi International is a global social movement working for development uh, for all through alcohol prevention. 
So that would be a very simple um, description of Movendi International. Uh, but I, how I ended up in Movendi International and uh, dealing with these issues that goes really, really back, back uh, in the history. Because when I was a child, I wanted to be an actress. Uh, I remember like when I was in a cinema, like one of my first cinema visits, and then I was like uh, really amazed by by the movie. Uh, I think it was even who, who look who's talking now or something like uh, like that. But then I just realized like oh, I also want to really act. So that was it was not about like being famous or anything. But I want I most probably wanted to be part of those stories as as well. And it was easier through movies than to really wanting to experience them all in real life. So then I felt like I wanted to be an actress and for that I wanted to prepare. So I uh, also wanted to do everything. Like I wanted to be able to act all the time and not to have someone replacing me. I don't know if there is horse riding or singing or anything. So I also started with many different hobbies from piano playing and uh, doing sports and all that. So I wanted to be really prepared. And uh, like that also, I wanted to have, in a way, a, a good history when I once become famous. I didn't want uh, some paparazzi to dig out <laughs> something that would, that they could then uh, write about me, that I was, I don't know, drunk somewhere and all these things. Like, and this is, this is, we are talking about seven, eight, nine years old uh, girl <laughs> who is uh, thinking like this. So I obviously didn't have alcohol connected with anything positive. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so somehow I uh, was avoiding that. Uh, also, like, of course, like uh, you, young people should not use alcohol before 18, according to laws. But of course, people around me uh, did that. But as I was preparing for this career, it was really not, not attractive uh, for me. Uh, but then the, the actress dream that uh, evaporated somewhere. Uh, but then I was doing sports and I was playing handball. So when I was around 14, 15, then I knew that I wanted to be a professional handball player. Um, and then, of course, then again, like then uh, they were training several times a day. We had to train and uh, I had to be in good shape all the time. Then again, alcohol really uh, didn't wouldn't work uh, for I wanted to have my body under under control so all these were very like individual reasons very very health related uh, reasons but what is also important to say is that there was very little alcohol around me in our family uh, my parents were teachers uh, we were in a small town my mom actually was uh, living sober which I then didn't really reflect that was but it was not a normal part of our life. And then later I understood that, for example, my my mom's uh, father um, had alcohol problems and there were huge uh, family problems because of that. So she never had also like positive um, uh, a relation to, to alcohol. And then because of that, she didn't use it at all. And so it was not, I, could, I couldn't see it on a daily basis in my family and stuff. So I think that also influenced it a lot in my view uh, on alcohol. And then, yeah, then I wanted to be a, an athlete. So that's why. But then I also, yeah, my dog. <laughs> then, <laughs> then I also um, started being active because I could see that my peers, they started using alcohol around. And for me, I knew them as uh, my friends because we were growing up together. And all of a sudden I felt that they do not behave like themselves when they use alcohol and for that uh, I, I was just reflecting like it's such a pity because uh, I somehow saw some kind of pretending and uh, um, pretending happiness with mm. alcohol and I knew that it's not honest somehow so I started being really more engaged in prevention I, I felt like young people need to understand uh, or my peers then needed to understand that they are enough and they uh, they can be funny or they can be sad and they do not need to have that alcohol around. And that's how I started being active in the, on the local level. Um, uh, and then through that activism, I met then Movendi International in some international youth camp actually in 1999. And there I understood that, aha, like this can be 
Like being alcohol free can be a really active activism, just saying no to alcohol in a way or like rejecting it from my life. Already that is a huge, and actually uh, it, back then I perceived it like a, it's a huge step of expressing solidarity um, and being uh, changing society. And there I understood like that there is an organi international organization that uh, deals with these issues and you can be actively involved in it. And that's where my uh, then active, organized activism started. Gosh, I've just, I've got so many questions. I don't know where to start because it's like, I kind of, it feels like, I wonder how many young people, you know, have thought that but they just push it away because there's just no modeling of any other way of of living or just yeah it kind of makes me feel a bit a bit sad because like I'm completely in awe to be honest that you could could have that reverence and go actually you know what I'm not doing that like I don't like it and I don't like how it makes people change because certainly you know within British culture I just we always say, don't we? It's just like we never even felt like we had a choice. It was just mm. like, it's just what you... It didn't it, occur, did it? No, mm. it was just like, yeah. it is, you know, that's what you do. Um, mm. And I love that that sense of, you know, that people not being honest. And I think that's one of the things that I struggled with the most was because it was like, for so long, it was like, well, I can't beat them, join them. It was like, I didn't like the way that alcohol changed people. And I didn't like that ever since I was a little child. But then it was like, well, what else do you do? You know, um, yeah, I don't know what you what your reflections are, Kate. Yeah, I was thinking it was like you were born with this kind of wisdom that none of the rest of the, we've all had to learn through like bitter experience. You know, you had sort of this kind of yeah perspective on it, which is fabulous. And then because most people's paths come from I've had a problem with this and therefore I understand it and therefore I want to do something about it but it sounds like yours just it, it came from a completely you know it came from a different place entirely so yeah I agree with you I think I was really lucky uh, I was also I think lucky with my family because I think it's a very important element uh, in my life that that it was not so normal uh, around me so I didn't have that kind of message or information that I should like I could see mm. adults who didn't use alcohol even though I, of course I, I saw many that that did um, so I was lucky from that perspective I think I was also lucky that this was a smaller town my parents were teachers so there is some kind of social control and mm. then I was aware very much of that social uh, control so that's another thing I don't think that any of them is really uh, the, the dominant thing, but like many of these small things then uh, get together and I ended up uh, where I ended up or like uh, having these uh, reflections. And then, of course, also the other people around me, also my friends, they were also some of them teachers, kids, and, and that. And we were doing many things, like we, in, we were involved in many these extracurricular activities for a, for a long time. So, and it's not that they were then sober and that they stayed, but then the combination of these uh, unique experiences and also from my family, I think that that, that happened then to me. But it's um, also true, I agree with you, that I have uh, uh, some kind of was honest uh, to myself. And I think that yeah. that, that is, um, I was, I was, uh, uh, guided in this uh, by my parents always like never lie to yourself always always reflect if you are sad be sad I like when I wanted to cry I also I remember you know situations when I cried in school and the teacher you cannot I can uh -huh, okay. yeah Amanda was doing to me so <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't know what yeah, that was I think about it's a yeah. storm for me I've got some unstable internet but yeah, yeah okay. I'm listening I'm yeah. listening Okay, good. So then, for example, I was at school and a teacher told me something and I was sad and I, I cried because of that. And even some classmates would say, oh, she's a crier and such. And then I come home and I tell my parents and I cry more and they tell me, just cry. Like, if you feel for crying, just cry. That's like, that's emotions. You need to get it out. So I think that I was really, uh, really lucky that I had that kind of uh, childhood and that they brought me up that way. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I well, just it. one thing I was going to say on that, because what, what you've said about it not being modelled in the home, I find very interesting because we've talked about this on the podcast, haven't we, Mandy? And, um, and I have often within my friends who are in the, you know, outer, not in the sober sphere, as we would say, um, I've had this levelled at me so many times that uh, it's extreme not to drink. And that it's much better if you model some kind of moderate behavior. And it's just, and my point was obviously, no, you need to model it not actually not drinking being completely a uh, viable choice as well. And that message just is not out there. It's like, oh, no, you mustn't be extreme. We mustn't be either extreme one end or the other. You've just got to be doing it a bit. And that is really insidious, right? But what you're saying is actually you've come from that background where it wasn't, yeah. it was not present. And, yeah. Yeah, you are right. And the, it is, uh, it's also scientifically proven that parents who are not inviting their kids for, for alcohol, that they, they, the, the kids then uh, are really better off also in the future. Uh, so it's a, it's a myth that you need to uh, give it to the kids and then, they will, then you will have some kind of control over their alcohol use or you will create a relation with them and then they will not go behind your back and it's not about it. And of course, it's not only that, like the parents need to communicate with their kids and understand them. And there is the whole, the whole dimension of the, the relations uh, simply. Uh, but, but offering alcohol to kids in a preventive uh, way, it really doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And what I found really interesting was one of your posts recently about kind of the, the impact of, you know, when we're not talking about dependency, but we're talking about, you know, regular normal drinking mm. within the home that you know it does have an impact on the anxiety of children and, and the way that they impact in the world and and I think this is something that because we live in such a sort of socio-normative society where it's like it's just is part of it there is this a real kind of cloud over what's going on really and you know and certainly from my experience I, I definitely felt that like I, I didn't like when people changed and my parents are not alcoholics you know they have a normal sort of relationship with alcohol some wine with dinner but for me you as keep non- doing air bubbles for people who are listening in air, uh, air quotes around the word normal just so that yeah. people know yeah um but um but yeah it made me it, it impacted me um and I think that's that's where this this especially this myth about kind of you know normative drinking or modeling moderation around your children is a positive thing, and it's actually it, it's it's really not you know the conversation is like you know why do you want to drink why are you interested in it you know how are you feeling what how else can I help you to support your well-being not just like well let's drink together and get a bit drunk so you know what it feels and I can you know try and get you to have some sort of limit with it um yeah and and it's not asking enough questions about it that's what it is isn't it it's treating the surface level of oh well if we do this then we won't then they won't do that but it's not going deeper to question anything else you know really yeah and maybe sometimes it's also the easy way really like just to uh, i i would even say that it's also like ah the kids are now for example in puberty and that's why they behave like this and it will pass but it's also not true like it's also in a way shortcut like they can also have Mm. a very very peaceful (laughs) development also through this age if if we are discussing emotions and and what's going on around and and learn how to deal with it do you know I find it very it's whenever we get into this conversation I can hear feel almost the hackles of so many mums go up across the country Mm. because when we start getting into that parent-child relationship because obviously we all love our kids so much and we want to do the best for them and we're all coping as best we can I guess what we're talking about here is family systems, attachment, care for the carer, all of that, which is is in quite a lot, quite a big mess, right? Mm. Um, I don't know what your your thoughts are on on that and how you work with w- within that. 
Um, like, what? Uh, okay, <laughs> let me let me uh, think. Like, what to uh, really answer? Because when it comes to our work, then it's really a lot about all about norms and really reflecting the norms uh, that are also then in the families and in societies and working with that and like through understanding the the norms then you also understand start being honest for example to yourself and then these uh, relations that's one part how we are working uh, with and but the other part is also this that we are um, discussing about the impact of uh, the changed behavior that the parents demonstrate when they use alcohol on kids, because we need to simply say that, even though it can be hurtful. And as you said, like parents love their children, they care for that, and they definitely do not want to harm them. And they, and for example, then they are fed in, in, in the evening and having uh, some alcohol, I don't know, wine glass or glass of wine or something. And then, they change their behavior. They are maybe a little bit more more funny than they usually are, or like they are, they are a little bit maybe hugging the kids more than they used to, or the other way around. Like maybe they don't pay that much attention because they want to relax. And uh, it's important to have that conversation that kids really perceive these changes. That the, the kids are very sensitive to the behavior that is around us because that's the basic of every human nature that we are very sensitive to our to the social relations that are around us and we maybe become numb to that a little bit later in life to protect ourselves but as kids we really do not so we are opening this conversation and and then of course uh, finding the ways also like how to change that and we also work very much uh, with policies and like uh, changing for example the availability uh, of alcohol because that has a huge impact on then what's happening at homes so we want to change the system we are not talking about individuals behavior and individuals responsibility because uh, i think it's really more systematic and a societal uh, issue mm. yeah and i mean yeah. you've talked a lot about kind of you know, women's health in general or the health of populations, you know, and, and the way that sort of alcohol and big alcohol impacts on poverty. And, you know, so it's 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 looking at, as, as you say, a societal shift mm. rather than looking at individual behaviour or blaming or shaming because mm. we're, all, we're all victims of the system, right? So yeah. you've got to go higher up to to make that change. And so what what are the main concerns in terms of women's health um, motherhood and, and yeah that area which is mm. obviously us I mean we were the the victims of that system yeah I think really the biggest concerns I would say is alcohol and cancer alcohol and breast cancer there's a there's a huge concern and it's a very upsetting issue as uh, as uh, alcohol industry is uh, even using cancer to sell their products uh, and to fundraise them for, I don't know, research in cancer, which is ridiculous, as we know, since 1988, that alcohol is actually a carcinogen. So that is a one and huge concerning uh, issue, uh, because also very few people actually know about it. So when we then talk with women and when they find out that this is the truth, then then they are really upset. And then you can have even very many women who are recovering from cancer and then for example, having alcohol as a for a nice moment in the in the evening and such, and I think that's really that's I, I would say that it's cruel uh, that the industry is doing this. Uh, then it's also mental health and women, and uh, it's all the the roles that women need to have in the society and the, the stress that is uh, or the pressure that is uh, created. And then 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 I go back to how alcohol is then marketed uh, and how women are targeted uh, through alcohol marketing as a you know all this wine o'clock and and relax and you deserve this uh, hour or time on your own with your glass and such. I, I think again, like this is the pure exploitation in my opinion uh, of the of the situation that women are in. Um, and then, uh, of course, when it comes to, for example, and it's also a huge concern when it comes to pregnancies and uh, alcohol use. Um, and that is even because now we are even 
uh, understanding more and more that even before conceiving is uh, is important not to use alcohol uh, so the so the baby is not somehow uh, impacted by that and that's information that is really not out there and this is not only about uh, women but also about men like uh, if the, if a couple knows that they want to have a child then they should actually the best is that uh, both of them do not use any alcohol um so so these are and then the childhood what we were discussing i think that this also understanding like uh, what kind of atmosphere or what kind of behavior do i uh, have after i i used alcohol and how does the child actually perceive it yeah and i guess that you know obviously i was reading something as well that you posted about kind of within developing nations um the kind of the role of well, I mean, in all nations, but specifically in relation to pushing alcohol into situations where there's, you know, domestic violence or where, you know, women's rights aren't particularly protected and, you know, using those areas to be areas of growth for, for alcohol companies. The Africa Project, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually good that you mentioned it, and uh, I, should, I feel even ashamed that I didn't say it, but gender-based violence and violence at home uh, caused by alcohol is really, it's a huge issue mm-hmm. in both uh, parts of the world, like the global south, global north. And we could actually see during the pandemic a lot that yeah. the, the violence uh, at homes has increased with also increased alcohol consumption. Mm. So, Do you know, I love that. Sorry, I just wanted to reflect quickly because I feel quite emotional talking about this. We we talk about it a lot. We've talked about it. We've, you know, talked about it in our book and stuff. And it's, you know, that activism side and the social piece because both Mandy and I have sociology backgrounds and she worked in, you know, looked at, uh, dealt, you know, specialised in racism, didn't you? Mm. I was, you know, did a lot, but, but a sociology background. So I was always looking at the social piece. You know, we're not islands. We're not on our own. We're part of this fabric. So what's if it's happening to the individual, it's happening on a social level. And it's very a, a relief when I hear that mirrored back, you know, and especially in the early days, no, it's not just you. It's this, yeah. this big, you're, you're, you're getting all these messages. This is sewn into the fabric of your experience. It's no wonder it's confusing for you. Mm-hmm. It's no wonder it's hard. And I kind of like, yeah, just, it, it's making me feel yeah emotional in terms of like, oh, so good to remind ourselves of that because there's a lot of shame that goes with this piece as well with women in families, then with the kids, us all trying to heal from this sort of toxicity somehow. Um, so yeah, it's somehow laying the blame where it needs to be laid is yeah. it is an empowering piece to be working yeah. with. Absolutely, and this is like what we can see that the industry is really trying to put the responsibility on the individual users. That's the, that's really thought through tactics. Uh, we can see it in the in the advocacy work where. We are, we are advocating for these uh, populational policies that will uh, actually change the, for the system, system changes. And then industry is really opposing this and is always talking about just teach people how to use alcohol and they will take the responsibility and then they will do it. And we, we definitely know that not in this world and not with all the pressure that is really uh, created that that would be happening. And I can actually share with you also my experience where we worked in uh, Slovakia with teachers. Uh, and with there, we were uh, using this uh, program that we have that I mentioned that we are discussing also the norms. And uh, so not only the individuals use, but what other forces that are around us that made us use uh, different substances, but uh, also alcohol. And uh, then we did, when we started discussing uh, the marketing and also the influence of the industry, uh, the the teachers were really relieved because they are doing these usual prevention programs that are on schools. You know, they they are talking to kids about all the harm that can there, that can be there, and there are very many ineffective prevention methods that are going on in schools, and we don't need to go deep into that. But they, the teachers are actually really trying, uh, and they and there are no results, and they and they think that it's their fault. So it's the same. It's like the people who use alcohol and then have some problems, they think it's their fault. 
mm-hmm. and the teachers also who are trying to change something or influence the kid's life, they also think it's their failure. Yeah, like others, like parents too, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, oh, it's exactly. my fault that he's he's done this, yeah. Which exactly. Is, mm. So then when you tell them about these other things and then you analyze it a little bit together, then it's like, wow, like how come that we haven't actually how come that we are not really upset and then don't, don't really change that because I think that's where we need to start. Yeah, I mean, you know, do you take the example of of the UK, you know, the the labeling and on alcohol, it, it says drink responsibly mm. and you know, and that is put on by a uh, inverted commas alcohol charity you know <laughs> which is funded by alcohol companies so you yeah. know it's very evidently aware um you know within within yeah. our systems and and I think what what was always very interesting for me sort of living outside of the UK and reflecting in you know so you know whenever whenever you have an alcohol advert on you know French radio for example it will say you know alcohol is bad for your health you know the first message uh take care and and drink moderately you know whereas the UK it's like drink responsibly it's on you you it's your responsibility and and also like the moral yeah there's a moral thing and also you know how you um when I there was a a sort of an article about the the amount of deaths in France from alcohol and it was you know in the millions and then there was an article about the UK and it was like, it was in the thousands. And I was like, hang on, that can't be right. Like my experience of British drinking, that can't be right. And my experience of French drinking, like that there is this massive kind of difference, you know, and, and in the UK, they only sort of report alcohol, direct deaths from alcohol. So it's only like liver cirrhosis and mm-hmm. liver disease. Whereas in France, it reports all related deaths accidents so accidents Mm -hmm. you know heart disease cancers you know so it's like when you start to learn this stuff it can be a really powerful tool in your choice not to drink as you say Mm -hmm. to see it as part of solidarity which I love and I so needed that for personally you know to be like right I'm actually doing something that is meaningful Mm -hmm. I'm not just like you know, I'm not just not drinking. I'm actually doing something that's mean that is about social change, essentially. Mm. So yeah, sorry that gets me really yeah. excited. No, it's <laughs> exciting then because this is our. We're in our group. We're we're looking at um, female empowerment month. You know, to time with International Women's Day. We've got Mother's Day in the UK. So in our community and in our sort of you know what we're that we're focusing on this month is is female empowerment. And I know that there's going to be a lot of people. I know from our community listening in that that it's that fire in the belly that you need often you know that can really help push through tough times and and give you that yeah that that fuck you (laughs) you know we're not gonna Mm. win here you know and we all need a bit of that from time to time for sure so yeah Yeah, absolutely and but also what you were uh, saying maybe about the the solidarity like also I didn't mention it in the story but uh, that was a very strong experience with for me when the, in the youth uh, summer camp that I uh, that was international I attended and there were these many activists in this that there I actually learned about children from homes that are growing up in like in homes where there was um, some alcohol problem or the kids were simply uh, upset with the with the use of their parents, whether they they were either like uh, diagnosed as uh, addicted or they just were using alcohol and the kids didn't really like it, and and that was that was also an eye-opening thing for me that that the young people actually really uh, do not like it and carry it with them, and it is really influencing their also performance at school. Uh, their view at life and just by not using alcohol around them can already improve their lives mm-hmm. so that was also another solidarity aspect for me that just yeah I will I decided back then then I will really consciously create environments around me that are alcohol free so other people have chance to also be alcohol free uh, and whether they want to be it only when they are at that moment or they want to do it throughout their whole life I don't care, but around me, they will have that freedom. I love that. 
I absolutely love that. And I, what, what was, I was thinking about the other thing that we're told about alcohol and it being the way we connect in the UK, we're very much sold that message. You know, we sold many messages about it. But one of them is definitely you can't connect to other people without me. And again, because of the stuff that I'm learning in terms of nervous system and us as as that that vital connection piece again you know you said that it was cruel you know some of the messaging and I find that cruel because when we are hardwired to connect with other people and do meaningful things together in communities you've got a destructive force like alcohol and actually when you numb out you lose that connection with other people so it's it's absolutely opposite so there's so much about this that that like you said and I love that idea of creating um alcohol-free spaces and we've talked about this haven't we about advocate um being an advocate no an ally allyship around it yeah um that maybe you don't identify as an alcoholic or have alcohol problems but companies and organizations could come on board to be allies and provide alcohol-free thing is there a stuff that like do you do any work with that with Mavendi? Uh, yeah, again, interesting question. <laughs> and because now I was sitting here actually and uh, thinking a little bit more about this and this creating alcohol free uh, environments. And uh, now let me think because I was to collect my thoughts. Uh, I had something that I just lost. Oh, sorry, uh, I've knocked you off it? with a random question. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, it's actually not that I had, yeah, what was it? Now I lost it. Anyway, please repeat the random question and I will answer them the question. It was about about this idea of expanding oh, and, and encouraging yeah. our, our allyship and alcohol-free spaces into, in organisations and, you know, the work functions, office parties, you know, that kind of ah, yes. within organisations awareness mm-hmm. raising. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, yeah, that's a good point. Like the, we, what we are doing is that we are working with the alcohol in work, workplaces. And like there are some manuals and tools for companies how to uh, create these kind of spaces at, at work because, uh, of course, they also for just their benefits of the organizations like that, you know, that the productivity of companies is, is much better when people are not hungover, for example, next day or they are talking about this absenteeism and uh presentation so like people either do not show up show up in work or they do show up physically but not really mentally uh, so because of that also is the motivation for the companies like we discussed the situation uh, and for example it, it's about many things like small like what kind of presents do companies mm-hmm. for example give to their uh, employees uh, very often it's some kind of bottles of alcohol and they do not even reflect whether some people there maybe even have alcohol problem and that's um, yeah that could be or that could trigger something so that they start uh, first of all reflecting like how they uh, in their company culture discuss or talk about alcohol and then also how they treat alcohol whether everyone expects it for all the evening or some parties afterwards and all that. So from that perspective, we work with that, like uh, provide some guidelines or manuals for workplaces. Yeah, and that just reminded me, you know, that kind of, because it's because it's so again, it's like um, dismantling your own experience and you know being conscious of your decisions around alcohol. Because you know, as a teacher, when I you know I used to be a teacher and I used to get bottles of wine, you know, and. And then when you, you know, when I was addressing my own alcohol and and how alcohol was in my life and then thinking that the kids were, you know, taking the alcohol to the teacher, I was just like, I don't, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel good to me, you know, like, and so when it came to my own kids, it was like, no, no, you're not, yeah, you're not going to like flowers. Let's go (laughs) flowers, you know, just kind of like having that kind of, yeah, that consciousness, I guess, about about how we present alcohol in in to be normal to be normative so what can individuals and um people that are listening how can they get involved with Mavendi or how can they support you what can what can they do individually to to build awareness I think that when it comes to really completely individual involvement regardless whether they would somehow 
be in touch with Muvendi or not. I think it's to um, reflect about whether we promote or do not promote alcohol. Because sometimes even people who do not use alcohol, they actually promote it somehow in the, in the way how they talk about it. So when they are writing like how much they miss it, for example, and it would be so nice uh, to have now some kind of um, yeah, a glass or a bottle or some whatever. Um, even though they are all, they are sober, but they still miss it, and they promote uh, this uh, positive side of the alcohol, which doesn't exist. Also, this is this is the thing that they actually are promoting some kind of myth. And then there are people who are using alcohol but never mention it, like it's some some occasional um, use, and and it's like really it's irrelevant in their lives. But and I think that they do bigger service to the society. Uh, just because they are not really promoting it. So I think that would be, that's a very important thing. And like how we can change and uh, on individual level is, I think, by creating this, uh, first of all, uh, not promote alcohol. And second, uh, this creating of uh, this alcohol-free spaces around us that mean really a lot. And I think they mean more than we get to hear uh, in, in, as feedback from, from people. Um, and then, of course, then then the uh, higher level of engagement is the is the activism. So it's either to really engage uh, in some already existing organizations that are uh, there around uh, and work for the system change. Uh, I think that one is really really important to support then the individual change, um, or to or to start something, and with that we can also assist. Mm. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love that that sort of, um, and I see that so much. I have a couple of friends who uh, don't don't drink, have, have never really drunk, but will post jokes about gin on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I have had a word actually. Um, I won't mention who, but yeah. And there is that like, oh, 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 you know. And it's like, just stop it. Stop promoting it. Yeah, yeah. be an ally. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it's really interesting because that's really simplistic. You know, it's really, yeah, it's, it's kind really of easy like, to yeah, do. it's like, okay, what you do in your, you know, your own choices, your own home, it's like that, you know, that's for you. But it's this, yeah, presenting it, the normative nature of it and promoting it um, can be incredibly harmful. And in, in the other, you know, and it's two simple things, isn't it? And also, you know, by creating alcohol-free space, that means that, you know, when people come, it's like, what would you like to drink? I've got tea. <laughs> I've got this. You know, you've got choices, you know. And, yeah. and that's the thing for me is that when we've had this message of kind of like, because I, 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 I believe that at certain points. I don't know whether it was the addictive voice in my head or what I actually believe. But I believe that I kept on, one of the reasons why I kept on going back to drinking, even though it made me incredibly anxious, depressed, sad, shamed and all the rest um was that I was like I need to model you know drinking to my kids in a in a way that is you know normal in a way that's moderate Mm -hmm. um but you know the the absolute kind of joy has been when I removed it completely and live alcohol free that gives them actually a valid choice it's like oh you know my husband drinks my mum doesn't drink like I can think about this and what I want, you know, and that and seeing that actually I'm fine, like I'm I'm a happy individual and I have a nice life, you know, that's so it's those two, those, you know, really simple things. Um we were talking a little bit before about kind of, you know, burnout of when you care about stuff um and you know being an activist or being, you know, it can feel very draining. And I know certainly some of the women in the community, they're like, it, because you you know this stuff it's like do I tell people do I not do I keep it to myself do I not like how do I interact with this and it can feel very tiring so how do you look after yourself as a long-term alcohol-free person in terms of your self-care and um yeah I'm interested to know that <laughs> I think my really first to go thing is sleep uh, I, I I know it like even if I have some like whatever conflict or something I know that when I even take just a nap and then my mind somehow clears um, and then it's then it's better so sleep is really important for me it doesn't mean always that I like really sleep enough hours and all that with, with this activism it really 
happens that there are also I had also like short nights of sleep and such but but when I feel that I need to sleep and I I do sleep and I take a nap but that would be something like that is really very practical solution and like create for a while a moment where um the the senses are really calm or turn off the light and have just the candlelight or something so so yeah the mind can also just calm down so these are those very uh, practical that you can do but i think that uh it's also about how i think about the work uh, about also myself uh, how what kind of expectations i have uh, from other people i think that's what i need to work with to stay in a way sane and, and, and in peace and understand always that there is that every person that I work with or uh, that they, they are in their uh, journey and they're at, at some point uh, in their lives and there can be unexpected things and there can be really change changes and I just I need to simply just accept it and take a little bit distance also from all my passions and everything um, and then recently, that was really very, very nice because I we also discussed about it that sometimes the burnout comes uh, when when things are not really going well. Like when everything is really going well, then you somehow generate the energy and then you then you go on and then you do things. But then when you then bump into some kind of obstacle, then it comes and then they, it it can really uh, fall apart. And uh, there. Uh, just recently, I was talking to to a friend of mine uh, who told me that um, a, a change that you want uh, is happening, even though you do not see that it's happening. And I think it's really, and then it actually demonstrated in life uh, recently also that really there are so many things going on and maybe we just don't see it, but there has to be some kind of basic trust or something that that things are moving, even though we just uh, simply yeah. don't see the biggest change. Yeah, I, I love, love that. that. Mm. I love that. I often say to myself, it's part of my big, big learning, ongoing learning. And I often say to my clients as well, this, um, you know, often when you start being alcohol free and you put those steps in place, um, time takes care of things as well you know if you kind of repeat you repeat and repeat and you put your days together and you look after small steps you don't have to do the whole process you know nature and time and like you say that all the other things that we can't see work work their own cycles and their own mysteries and so you can't you know to get out of that trying to control everything and I think that that's such a thing that people have um that I see in terms of, you know, people who are on the sober path who've who've used alcohol to soothe themselves to manage their lives. There is that sort of, how do I show up in my life? How do I? What do I, what can I control? What can't I control? Mm. Or trying to control alcohol for so much of the time because I feel so out of control. And that that trust, that sort of bit, that dance, if you like, and that interplay, is is something to be learned I guess for many of us you know part of part of being human right it's a beautiful way of putting it though yeah 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 but okay. what, what works uh, sorry what what works is really to be observant to life because I think that there are always these kind of small proofs that something is happening or that the wishes are coming uh coming okay. through uh, but then it's good to be open. And I think that there also to be alcohol free really helps <laughs> because uh, then, yeah. then you are much, you then you perceive. Yeah, yeah. Then you yeah. can actually see it and then it's confirmed and then it just gets better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. that. And it's Signs so, of life. Yeah, so true. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, we, you know, when we're rushing through and just, you know, uh, existing, we, we miss all those things, you know, when we're not present in our own lives and, yeah, well, thank you. It's been a hugely yeah. inspiring chat. Um, is there anything that, that Mavendi is doing at the moment that you want to tell us about or is there a focus for 2021 or, you know, anything that are you fundraising? Yeah, let us know how we can support you. Yeah, uh, the, like uh, Movendi is right now really big because I didn't maybe mention it, but Movendi International is working really a lot with alcohol policy advocacy. Uh, and there we need to, at the, at the moment, there is a huge process going on uh, with WA World Health Organization. 
uh, that is preparing an action plan uh, for countries how to reduce uh, uh, alcohol use and then the harm connected to alcohol use. And now there are huge consultations. So actually, our big focus at the moment uh, is to really mobilize people to demand from their governments to engage in this process and and actually have a much better vision than they have had until now when it comes to alcohol, a reduction of alcohol and related harm. Because I think that many countries, too many, are visionless. I mm. think that many really accepted the situation and three million people dying because of alcohol every year. And it's more or less like, what can we do? It has always been here. Uh, it will always be like that. And I think that what we now work with is to change that kind of vision and we need more people to uh, want their governments to have uh, another position uh, here. So that's a huge focus. And then the, the change of the alcohol norms. So we are really, we are analyzing it and uh, we are preparing actually a book uh, about that, like uh, uh, alcohol expectations, uh, society, placebo, all that. So uh, when it's ready, uh, then uh, we'll be really happy to share it with you and that, um, oh, yes, that the people will read it. I think it's Oh, yes, please come back on and tell us about the book at some point. That'd be amazing. Yes, <laughs> we'll do that. Yeah. Okay, well, we always finish the podcast with um, your reason to love sober, your reason to love being alcohol-free, and if you have a tip of the day for people. So what would be your, you know, your tip for people? if they want to change their relationship with alcohol? Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I think that the reason is really the freedom. I think maybe it's a cliche, but it is, uh, it is like that. And, uh, and it's the honesty. honesty I, was the, the, I would say that we get when we do not use uh, alcohol, because then we really can uh, dig deep and solve our lives and grow personally if we want to grow or uh, even stay if we want to just stay and not grow but it's at least a conscious decision um so yeah getting to know a little bit more yourself i think that's a huge motivation oh i love it oh thank you so so much yeah um, i'm feeling really inspired you. really inspired yeah. and yeah well, I'm sure we should talk more. We should talk more at some point. Yeah, we'll put the, yeah. All the links to Mavendi yeah. below. Follow them on Instagram. They do really, really great posts, um, which really kind of, yeah, kind of continue that fire in the belly and just educate, um, you know, and I've learned a lot. So I really recommend people checking them out. So, mm. right. Yeah, do that. Thank so, so um, Thank you so much. Thank you. And so if you're immediately concerned about your drinking, just reach out, send up a flare. Um, if you're in the UK, alcohol change, lots and lots of resources. Do check out Mavendi. Also, uh, you know, your local GP um, agencies of support, send up a flare in the sofa community. There's lots of us. Don't feel like you're on your own. Get in touch and um, we'll see you next week for more chat. <laughs>